0: Welcome to Canada's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Canada's podcast, the Atlantic Canada version, and my I yeah, my name is Revers Corbin, I am your host and I'm really pleased to have with me as my guest Larry Hashi. Larry has been in the leasing business for close to 30 years and has done some amazing work um during that time period and we're going to talk about his career in as an entrepreneur but also his career in the leasing world so welcome larry to canada's podcast
1: it's a pleasure to be here rivers and it's a pleasure to be talking to you thank you
0: yeah right on so tell me about what got you into the whole leasing spectrum 30 plus years ago what was the button that said i got to get into this
1: Yeah, no, there there was no button that said I had to get into this. It was uh, more serendipity than anything else. Um, Basically, coming out of university, um, there were three jobs that I applied for that I really, really wanted. Yes, Um, the one that I didn't, the two of them that I really, really, really wanted, I didn't get. The third one I didn't really want, but I got was the leasing was in equipment finance business, and just serendipity. It ended up being a lifelong passion for me. Um, but it wasn't the one that I wanted from the beginning because I didn't understand what it was.
0: Right, right. So for our audience, tell us, what is it? So
1: equipment finance. Uh, so CanLease, basically what CanLease does, our company, is any equipment that a business will use, we will finance it. So I'll give you an example. Um, if you're a doctor and uh, physician and you need very specific types of equipment in order to provide uh, a, a service to your customers or your patients. Th- those pieces of equipment are very expensive, and so we often get doctors that apply to us and say, "Can you finance this for me?" So, in effect, what we'll do is we'll rent, we'll buy the equipment, we'll yep. rent it back to the doctor, and we'll design it so it's very tax efficient for them. And that goes for any business person, by the way. And in the end, they'll so they'll 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 pay us rental payments on an agreed upon term, and then we will sell it to them. For an agreed upon price, and it's as simple as that. Sometimes that price can be a dollar. Sometimes that price could be a hundred dollars, but it isn't expensive. And so we do that for landscaping businesses. We do that for service providers like plumbers and electricians. They might need anything from uh, the vehicle to to go to the service call to very very specific types of uh, you know diagnostic equipment. So those are the things that we finance, and we do a lot of it. So, in Atlantic Canada, for example, our average size transaction is about forty thousand dollars, but we do anything from five thousand dollars up to a million dollars. Um, so yeah, so we have right now in Atlantic Canada about five thousand business customers that we've been able to help uh, acquire equipment.
0: That's crazy. So how do you how do you find them? How do you find yeah
1: customers? That's not easy. So. Um the good news is, is that I've been in this for 30 years so I do have a, a a lot of customers that I knew. But this is you know I worked for a couple of companies um and uh you know I built I built up uh you know certainly a client base with them. But it harkens back this whole thing actually uh Rivers it harkens back to a piece the best piece of advice I ever received about starting a business. And it was look if you want to start a business Go find a company to go work for, learn from their, learn on their dime how to make mistakes, and then see a need and fill that need. So for me, coming out of university, that was the best piece of advice. I always knew I wanted to start a business. I didn't know how to start a business. I didn't right. know what was required to start a business. So I, I went to work for a couple of companies, um, and those companies taught me those things. The opportunity to start my own company only came about when, again, serendipity played another role. The one of the companies I was with sold. And when they sold, they, the company that bought them didn't really want any of the assets, including the people. Um, and so I was sitting there with uh with a severance package uh, with a group of other people I knew that were really good at doing what they did and i knew this how to get the i knew the secret sauce to how the business functioned because i had taken that mantra in my mind right learn about the business and so i took my severance package i hired the people that had been let go and i started my own company and uh, we've been doing it now for 30 years
0: wow so that's that's a long time how do you retain customers how do you, sorry how do you retain uh, employees during that, that period of time
1: yeah. So when I say 30 years, that's, that's continuous, uh, service in this business, but I've had two or three businesses in that time period. Um, so to answer your question in a, in a indirect way, it wasn't easy. Um, the first business I started, um, we grew it to be the second largest in the country. And, uh, we were working with another company. We had a close working relationship with them. They were much larger than us at the time and uh, they just made me and my partners an offer we couldn't refuse. And so right. every entrepreneur dreams of that day when you build up a business and someone wants to come along and write you a big check and you go, "Yes, I this is the day that I've been waiting for." And uh, and so, you know, I fell into that as well and absolutely loved it uh, at the time. Uh in retrospect, it probably wasn't the best thing I ever did because the, they took that business and grew it exponentially again. And I could have done that as well. So it was just being in love with that sort of entrepreneurial dream of that happening
0: yeah right uh, on.
1: but i so i uh, when they bought my company i stayed on with them for a couple of years in business development for the larger company but quickly grew bored uh, because i was used to the entrepreneurial roller coaster ride that sort of adrenaline rush you get from one day not being able to afford payroll to next day you you're doing great you know just that that brush and uh, so I exited the business for a couple of years. And then in 2010, I started this business, which is Canlis. All the customers I had were with my previous company. So uh, now I had no customers and I had been out of the business for a couple of years. So it was very difficult because I was competing against the very company that I had built. Um Now, that was uh, difficult to do. Um, and how do you do it? Um uh, basically, you just get out there and you knock on doors, you hire the right people, um, and you've got to be in for the long haul. So I just like the very first time when I started the business with my severance package. This time I had a little more cash because I had sold the business a couple of years before. Right. And I was able to use my reserves, but also I knew it would take a long time. And 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 quite honestly, it took about three years before we saw a profit. So though that and I knew that and I expected that. Um, but so being able to stick with it was a very important part of the process. But knowing I had the resources behind me was so important because in starting a business, you've got to make sure that you're in for the long haul. The customers want to see that you're going to be here and that they want. And then when they're ready to buy, you're, you're, you're there.
0: You're, uh, you're now in, uh, down south running your business while uh, we're up here. And a little bit of the coldness. Talk about that, uh, that advantage of being an entrepreneur.
1: So, yeah. So everything you do or I do as an entrepreneur, I think about the long term. How, what will this look like? What's the bigger picture? So I knew that in the beginning, it would be very, very, very difficult. And it was, there's no doubt about it. There were times when it was like, oh my gosh, are we going to, not that we weren't going to make it, but this this is not fun. This was very, very painful. But what kept me going was the long term. I knew that I would stick it out. I knew that I had what it took to stick it out. The grit that was required to see us through, I was going to do that. And it did. So when it turned the corner, um, I started to think a little bit more broadly. Like, okay, so how am I going to exit this business? The last time I sold it, I won't do that again. I won't sell it. What's going to be different about this time? I had uh, several employees who joined me from my previous business and uh, they were long term loyal employees and one in particular who I was thinking that would be a good person to uh, groom and to uh, have her uh, take over my business. So I spoke with her and uh, she uh, was looking for that opportunity. And uh, so we developed a succession plan, a, a succession plan, excuse me. Um, and so I decided that, listen, as part of that succession plan, I've got to get out of her way. So I said I can work anywhere. Our business is that doesn't require me to be in somebody's face all the time. And my and my employees switched over to remote uh, work uh, environment several years before the pandemic hit. So we knew we could work from anywhere. So I decided, well, why not go down south? I'll work from here. Uh, that way, there it allows her to. Run the business, so I'm not in, and she feels like I'm not in her way. And at the same time, I get to work from a wonderful location. So to me, it's a win-win.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Congratulations on that journey that you're on, and uh, and so on. Have you got any tips for for entrepreneurs in general that uh, you can you can relay to them based on your experience? I know I, they stick I, I, one. Sorry, what was that? Stick it out one, you you know, you got to stick it out. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that
1: if an entrepreneur wants to start a business, and I go back to the original advice that I had before, which is go find a business that you're sort of interested in um, and work for that business and see what opportunities are in that business first. Learn the secret sauce of how to run a business. Mm -hmm. I see entrepreneurs, and God love them, who come out of the gate saying, I, I, I'm going to find a problem and I'm going to solve that problem that I think makes that sort of interests me. Well, that, that, that the answer you have might not be appealing to everybody else. And so you're going to build a whole business around what you, what you hope and dream will be the next, that mou- better mousetrap. Um, so what I would suggest is, is going to work, serve that, what I would call an old time apprenticeship work under mentors work under other entrepreneurs if you want to be in small business work for a small business person understand what they do understand what's required um you may have to change the trash change the light bulb make the sale you know do the payroll understand that those things are all part of the mantra and the excitement of building a business so my suggestion would be to budding entrepreneurs is learn under somebody first then seek out opportunities as you see them. Um, that would be my piece of advice to entrepreneurs. Don't go out there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, we do have the incidents of somebody starting a business, uh, in their garage and it becoming a multi-billion dollar corporation, but those are outliers. Those are unicorns. Those, those happen rarely.
0: So what's it like doing business in QuizPam Sips?
1: It's a blessing and a challenge. The, the blessing is, is that I live in New Brunswick and I live in Atlantic Canada. Um, and that is wonderful. You know, even though it's nice to be down here, there's traffic down here. There's not traffic at home. Uh, we all kind of know each other in the entrepreneurial uh, environment. You know, a lot of the small business people know each other just from working with each other. That's a blessing. The downside is, is that the economies of scale aren't there in Atlantic Canada. So, so if you want to grow a business, you've got to you've got to export your business, or you've got to be extremely efficient at at uh, how you make money in Atlantic Canada. So it's a it's so if you can do well in in Atlantic Canada, you can do well anywhere in the world because it's a tough environment to do really really well. And so if you look at some of the companies that have uh, that are icons like Irving, McCain, Sobey's. The Jodrys, the Braggs, um, they are world-class entrepreneurs because they started here first and they learned how to do business here first, which is very, very tough. I know of lots of entrepreneurs or and people that have gone on to Toronto or gone on to Ontario and done extremely well out of here because they've learned that school of hard knocks working out of here. So that can be a blessing and a curse. Depends right. on.
0: So um, talk to me about, uh, about your personal life. How do you, uh, how do you combine that personal slash work life uh, to do the things that you like to do um, during the journey that you're on?
1: So I decided a, a long time ago, uh, Rivers, that I was going to be a what was called a lifestyle entrepreneur. I, that's what I called it. Um, for me, it's always about doing interesting things and working with interesting people. Um, It isn't about the money. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I Do I like money? Of course I do. Do I like a lifestyle? Of course I do. Who doesn't? But it never was about that. So I decided that anything that looked interesting, I was going to attach myself to it because it seemed like fun. Starting a business, to me, is fun. Um, granted, don't get me wrong. There are lots of scary moments involved in that, but the challenge of it was immense. And I've done it, you know, a couple of times now. Um, but also too, I I have this fierce pride for my community. I love where I'm from. I love the community that I'm in. Um, and I want to be able to give back to that. So I decided that, that I was going to dedicate a significant amount of my time to uh, volunteer in the community. And I have, to my surprise, even though I wanted to do that, I want to work with organizations that I found extremely interesting, that the work that they were doing was interesting, and that they were relevant in the community. So I, so for me, that was the University of New Brunswick, um, fit that bill perfectly. And now I'm into my 20th year of volunteering there. I, I just served as chair of the Board of Governors, uh, recently, uh, the St. John Airport. Uh, was extremely interesting and also relevant to our community from an economic development standpoint. From an economics development standpoint, again, uh, I served as chair of, uh, of uh, Enterprise St. John, which dealt a lot with the economy of, of, of the region of, of, of uh, southern New Brunswick. And then things like poverty reduction with the uh, teen resource center uh, and uh, credit counseling services of Atlantic Canada, those things are all relevant to me and they do good work. So I have spent a significant amount of my time in that as well. And to my surprise, um, I get more out of it than I put into it. So business contacts are phenomenal. Again, an unexpected surprise. Um, the, the respecting the community that you gain because you've given your time is also relevant. And it also affects your business, although that wasn't what I intended to have happen. Mm-hmm. Um, And then the, the ability to work with other entrepreneurs in that sort of network where we're not, you know, we're doing something for a greater good, but we learn to trust each other and work with each other was also an unexpected byproduct of that as well. So those are the things that I like to spend my time with, um, outside of business is in the volunteer capacity. And I continue to do it. And I I love doing
0: it. Are you doing any of it down in Florida?
1: No, the only volunteer work I do here is uh, trying to find a good shopping mall for my wife when she wants to go shopping. So that's my that's what I'm that's what I'm here to do.
0: Yeah, that's that's very cool. So where are you located down in Florida?
1: Uh, Fort Myers. Fort Myers. Fort Myers. Yeah. So we wanted we wanted to go to a place that was warm, um, and Fort Myers uh, is the uh, warmest part of the United States, evidently. So and is it, it is really. Yeah, it's very very warm here today. It's 32 degrees in uh, in February or March, excuse me. I'm I'm loving it. Absolutely. How
0: long have you been down there?
1: Um, two months. Two months. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to going home as well. Don't get me wrong. Like this is this is awesome, but home is awesome as well.
0: Yeah. Did you drive down or did you
1: fly down? We drove down.
0: Yeah.
1: We drove down. Um, we drove down because. Uh, we want to have the experience as well as we change seasons, like you know, driving out of winter and driving into sort of what I would yeah. call summer, uh, and take our time along the way and enjoy the ride.
0: And, and tell me, um, what's the uh, your employee that's in success, and, and do you talk regularly to her? Do you have uh, that? How's that relationship? Going?
1: So, yes. As a matter of fact, I spoke with her just before this. Before our discussion, Rivers. So we speak weekly. Um, and, uh, but what we did was we sat down together. We sit down together at least once a quarter and we would develop a plan. So what is it we're going to do this quarter? Uh, what are her goals? What are my goals? And how does that fit into our overall goal of secession, but also company growth? And so we, we both agree on what we're going to be working on for the quarter. And then we meet, you know, Sometimes once a week, sometimes once every two weeks, just depends on the situation. But usually it's once a week and we just go over, OK, have we hit these milestones along the way that we set up? And if we have, then it's going it's going well. If we haven't, then what adjustments do we have to make to our overall plan? So even though we run a small business, small businesses can also be very complicated and can be very intricate um, because. You know, a small business can get blown away in a tsunami. Small things can get blown away in big winds. And uh, so we're constantly looking out in the landscape. What are interest rates doing? Um, what's happening with banks, you know, who we compete with sometimes? Um, what's happening with the marketplace? Uh, for example, um, you know, in 20, uh, 2021, uh, we found that Atlantic Canada uh, equipment was extremely hard to find uh and because we have in Canada we don't have a lot of suppliers of equipment we get most of our equipment from Ontario or the United States because of the pandemic and because of uh, supply chain shortages uh equipment was extremely hard to find and so our vendors weren't selling equipment which means we weren't doing a lot of leasing so mm-hmm. how do we overcome those challenges and what do we do to become more efficient when those things happen and how do we how, how do we over how do we get through this particular storm so, in touching base quarterly and weekly, we keep an eye on those trends, those headwinds, so to speak, that can blow a small business off course real
0: quick. So, um, you had you said you decided not to sell. You wanted to do succession this time. For right. our listeners, what's the difference?
1: The difference is um, the last time I I sold my business, uh, you know, an entity came in, uh, they bought my shares or they bought the assets, usually it's shares. In this bigger case, it was shares. Um, and in effect, they own your employees, they own everything about your business, they own your customers, and you're off to the races, and you get your money and you go home. And that's a great day for a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, and it certainly was a, a good day at the time, I thought, as well. But what I like better is if you're going to have a small business and and you're going to have a group of loyal employees work with you, why not sell to them? why not allow them to continue the business um, that they would helped you build right so to me the succession plan was exactly that it was building internal strengths so that they could run the business on their own um, and then pay me out over time so use the proceeds of the business to pay me out and then i get the one thing that's most important to me don't get me wrong the money's the i you know that's that's a given but I get time back. So I work less in the business. They work more. The risk is transferred from me to them over time. Um, And I get more, and, and like I said, they pay me out and I work less. And that's what's really important to me right now. And with my time, I can put more in the volunteer and the other challenges that I find interesting. Very cool. So that's the way that I decided to do it. and. Quite frankly, I'm very pleased that it's working out so far.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Congratulations on that, Larry.
1: Yeah, thank you. This has
0: been a uh, you know, this has been a quick fire conversation with a lot in it. So, uh, congratulations on uh, on that uh, on the conversation we've had today. It's been really wonderful. Is there anything that uh, we missed from an entrepreneur perspective perspective that you would recommend to an entrepreneur? At any stage, I guess, you know, it's one of those ones that you say, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty important too.
1: I would say there's a couple of things that an entrepreneur should be thinking about. I, I mentioned one already, which was the mentorship. But the other one is the life of an entrepreneur, Rivers, as you well know, is, is a lonely one because you don't have anybody to really share the challenges of being an entrepreneur with. You know, you can share it with your spouse. You can share it maybe with, a, with a friend, but, but they, they don't always understand exactly what you're going through because it's very unique to you and it's very unique to your business. I would say that any opportunity and I, and I chose, you know, volunteerism, but any opportunity you have to interact with other entrepreneurs who understand your challenges, who may also present to you some good ideas and take you maybe in a place in your head that you hadn't thought about is that is critical because if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in trouble, at least for me. Right. Right. So I think working with other entrepreneurs and sharing ideas in any form that you can find it. And again, I say for me, it was volunteerism. Um, that is critical to being successful.
0: Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Well, this has been Larry uh, Hashi, ladies and gentlemen, kind of halfway between being in the States and halfway being home, loving both spots. And that's where we want life to be, Loving where you're at. So congratulations, Larry, on your journey and, um, and uh, you know, the succession you've got going on. And, and thanks for being here today to talk to us on Canada's podcast. My pleasure.